The Boag World Show is back and on the first episode of Season 11 we're joined by Rachel Andrew to discuss launching your own product. The transcription of this week's show has been kindly provided by the team at Template Monster. BoagWorld.com, the podcast for all those involved in designing, developing and running websites on a daily basis. My name's Paul. Joining me as always is Marcus. Hello, Marcus. Hello, Paul. Did you Country have a lovely Marcus. Christmas? <laughs> I've got to talk about the new music. Oh, well, the, was there new music? That you haven't heard yet. That's quite funny, isn't it? Do you know, I had a dream about that last night. Now really? you're saying it, because you told me there was going to be new music. And I dreamt last night mm. it was basically lots of embarrassing things that I'd said privately in the office <laughs> that you'd strung together and you know what's that thing where you kind of make people sound musical when they're not auto-tune or something oh, right. <laughs> that would take too long Paul is that too I'm, much I'm not work sure, I'm not sure there's a strong enough auto-tune out there to do that with what <laughs> are you implying that I am so unmusical <laughs> that I'm impossible to tune um, no, I wasn't. Uh, well, yes, I was. And, so what's uh, it like? Is it good? Um, of course it's good. Um, the previous theme was the rock theme, and this is the country theme. Oh, no. <laughs> How long is it? It's not very really long. You say that, but anything over about 15 seconds, in my opinion, is too long. Oh, it's a bit longer than that. It's about 30, I think. <sighs> That's all right. People have got better things to do than listen endlessly to your musical... <laughs> talents. Fiddling. I was going, talents in, a, in, in air quotes. <laughs> I deserved that after the auto tune. Yeah. Quotes. But yes, I had a lovely Christmas and Happy New Year, Paul. Yes. Um, it was very nice indeed. It was nice to have that time off. Um, a friend of mine wrote a very sarcastic post on Facebook about how much he was looking forward to going back to work on Sunday evening you know about being tired of ha- being able to get out of bed when he felt like it and having the having conversations with his family every day well that's because he's doing work wrong <laughs> well, I get yeah, out maybe. of bed when I like and I have conversations with my family every day well yeah that's that's a good point but he works for a bank in London yeah and well, that's lots of stupid, money own stupid fault if he puts money above <laughs> you know <laughs> lifestyle then he gets what he deserves well i think that yeah it's, that's an easy said thing i don't think he would have an op- any options no if i he didn't go I'm, there. I'm, but that's grossly unfair <laughs> i'm sure he's a lovely person he is actually very nice chap i i was quite looking forward to coming back to work i go a little bit stir crazy i do as well uh, well actually normally by about now 10 o'clock um on the second morning back that i've had enough but all of yesterday i was like a little chirpy thing i know Ooh. it was weird <laughs> i always am i was like that going back to school first day back great oh, oh no i was gone. never like that with school i used and to dread going back to school but with work it's like if i'm off for more than about a week i start to get twitchy Mm. and kind of feel this need to fiddle with things. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, there's always something to do because it's like even though I, I kind of did ignore things mostly, there's there's something to do. So it's like, well, I ought to be getting on with that. Is what I'm thinking to myself. Yeah, and I think Christmas Christmas is probably the best time to have a break because everybody goes off. Exactly. So there's yes. kind of this universal agreement: we're not going to talk to one another for yeah. a week or two. Yeah, I mean, there's a few exceptions to that, but generally speaking, it's fine. I mean, we didn't have any, any no issues with sites going down or anything like that, so that's always hooray. Yes, um, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, it was lovely. Can I, I'm quite, actually now, yeah, but mid-morning, Tuesday, ready to go back on holiday again. <laughs> Is that okay? Fine by me. <laughs> you go for it, Marcus. I'm sure you deserve it. I, suspect I do, I deserve everything. Yesterday would I have get. been a super productive day and you've justified your year's salary uh, yeah, that's then right. alone. Oh no, I'll be I'll be alright by next Monday. That's why I could basically just work Mondays. That'd be good. <laughs> I think it's supposed to be the other way round, isn't it? I think you're supposed to do a four day week. <laughs> yeah, is well, what I'd people like aim for. One day week, not a please. one day week. That would be great though. You'd really enjoy the day, wouldn't you? Have you ever read Tim Ferriss's book, The Four-Hour Workweek? I haven't read it because the description of it made me want to hit him with a stick. I know. So, no. I'll put a link in the show notes, but he doesn't deserve it. Anybody... (laughs) It's basically a book of him gloating. Yes. Because, you know, it's set up as being this book, oh, you can do this too. No, you can't. It's luck. (laughs) You got luck. Luck and being particularly hard-nosed yes which i don't like no i'm sure i'm sure he's done very it's just bitterness and and anger that i'm not living his life yeah maybe. he's also he's one of these annoying is he happy though pete uh, pete pete is he happy there, though paul um, is he is he happy uh ask pete is he is pete there pete's not here actually he'll be here a bit later on he's got children to deal with this morning or something yeah and then he's going to a funeral which is a bit sad oh dear yeah um, yeah, Tim Ferriss. Yes, no, he, he, he's just one of these annoyingly talented people, I think. Mm. Oh, I had a fear of swimming, so I became a world champion swimmer. Oh, like, uh, what's his name? The guy in the 20s and 30s became the richest man in the world. Howard Hughes. Right. Same sort of thing. Had to, he was, was the fastest man on earth and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. On, in his aeroplane. Overachievers. Yeah. It got to him in the end, though. He had a really, really bad case of OCD that he had to kind of lock himself in a, in a, you know, a, one of those tents, right? Type, type of thing. Good. So. Serves him right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean it at all. I'm just bitter. I've, I've just discovered this holiday that basically I'm going to completely contradict myself now because basically I'm ready to retire after <laughs> no, you- saying that I'd get antsy after about a week. You can't be ready to retire. You're only about. 20 aren't you cool you wish <laughs> then then you'd be 30 something wouldn't that be nice now paul we've got to, i'm 48 in a month or two you're gonna be a granddad we haven't said that exactly yes I'm are we allowed to, to say that oops yeah no no that's absolutely fine yeah no, okay. no, no problem at all um yes um i was just thinking that this morning because i was thinking oh i'm doing doing podcast paul today uh, no, it was it was yesterday because I I put a few little you know the little Bag World dividers onto the music mm-hmm. just to kind of label it Bag World, um, and it's my daughter who's pregnant now who did that in two thousand and five when she was thirteen. So wow! So yeah, ten years ago um, she was just sort of effectively quite a little girl, and now she's going to be a ma. So when when you have 
your grandchild, mm-hmm. you need to record your grandchild laughing and we'll make that a divider. Absolutely. How then, awesome um, would that be? And we'll make sure its first word is Boag World. <laughs> <laughs> okay? That would be so sad. <laughs> Don't do that. That's a terrible idea. Should we talk about this week, this season? Yes, talk about the season, Paul. So I'm really excited about this season. We, we have an agenda, right, that I've decided that, that learning stuff is hard work, right? And that, that as web designers, we have to keep up with far too many different areas, okay? Mm-hmm. And there's so many different specialist areas um, that it's hard to keep up with, hard to know about, and all the rest of it. So I thought to myself, I could sit down and I could read up about all of these areas and try and keep on top of things. Or I could do a podcast season where I get experts in all of those areas and get free consultancy from them. Well, I've been doing that since the start of the podcast, Paul. Is that what what I'm for? Yes. You tell me what I need to know. Well, there you go. So this season, (laughs) everyone else is going to tell us what we need to know. And I've picked areas that I think we as a company or me as an individual or us or however you want to word it, are weaker at, Mm -hmm. right? Sometimes it's not. There's some areas that I'm a bit more confident on. And in those areas, I'm really kind of pushing down to kind of, you know, the, the real detailed stuff. So really... As has always been the case with this podcast, this season is about me. <laughs> it's about what I want to learn and what I want to know. Well, it's fair enough. Which I think is totally fair enough. So, yes. um, so we're going to kick off with Rachel Andrew, who we've had on the show before. Yes. Um, and, and Rachel is one of these amazingly flexible kind of generalists. She's kind of a developer. Well, she is a developer. She's she is written a developer, like but she... loads of books on development. And, and, and CSS and front-end coding and that kind of stuff. Yet, in the same breath, she's also quite a business entrepreneur and marketing person as well. So she's one mm. of these very, very flexible people. It seems that that's her real passion as well, which surprised me. But then I'm getting ahead of the interview. You are getting ahead of the interview. Mm. Um, so she works with her husband, Drew, um, on a, a, a CMS called Perch, which I'm sure we've mentioned before on the show. Mm. We must have. And we'll put a link Definitely. in the show notes to grabaperch.com. And it's just a, it's a great little uh, product that they've developed. Now, I've got Rachel on the show because Perch has been a, a huge success, unlike our attempt at a product, mm. which was a dismal failure. So I want to know what she did right and what we did wrong. So that's why we've got this interview. So let's kick off with it. Well, really excited to have you on the show today, Rachel. I have to admit, because you are our very first interview. And it's, you're going to be the first that goes out as well. And the logic behind this is the whole kind of premise of this, um, this season is to focus on things that we're weak at, that me and Marcus aren't very knowledgeable on or need to dig a little deeper. And nothing is a better example than that than launching a product. Because I would say, would you agree, Marcus, that that was our biggest cock-up as Headscape? Um, (laughs) Yeah, we didn't. Our hearts weren't really in it. I think it's probably the right way to put it. 
Yeah. Um, and I suspect so, that, well, I, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, Rachel. I'm going to let you talk, as you as you said. <laughs> <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't actually asked anything yet. So tell us a little bit about Perch for those that don't know. Okay, so Perch is a small CMS. Uh, we launched it in 2009, really as a side project, well, completely as a side project. At the time, we were a service business, sort of building stuff for clients. Um, so we, we built Perch as a sort of downloadable CMS and launched it and had this idea that it would be really nice if we achieved the amazing success of selling one copy a day. Hmm. So that was kind of the plan. Uh, we needed okay. it. It was something we needed for our business because we were building big solutions typically for clients who then would ask for something similar that was for smaller sites. Um, so the kind of what, what, where it had come from was that we needed something like that. And when we started putting it together, we thought, well, hang on, actually, this, this feels like a separate product. It feels like something we could just sell as an off-the-shelf thing. Uh, so we right. thought we'd give that a go. Um, okay. So that's really where it all started. So, uh, so uh, can I ask a question? Uh, and, and feel free to say no, we can edit this bit out. But can I ask how many you sell per day now? How many you sell per day now? It, I mean, it really depends, but, I mean, it... it can be you know as many as 20 licenses a day it might be three you know it really depends on okay. on on the, on the day um i mean oh, we you know we we have customers who have you know upwards of 100 licenses some of the design agencies oh, use perch um but there's, there's, a, there's a very long tail you know there's lots and lots of people who've only got one or two licenses and then sort of there are people who you know do uh typically lots and lots of those kind of sort of um small marketing landing page type sites uh, so we have right. people who, you know, who who have big clients who do lots of little campaigns, and Perch is great yeah. for that, you know. So we do have some people who've got an awful lot of licenses, um, and then you know we've got freelancers and people who use it for their own site. You know, we've just got one or two. Right. Ooh, interesting. So uh, one of the things you said straight off the the bat, which is the the kind of um, thing that everybody says when when they talk about building a product, is to to build something you need yourself. Mm-hmm. Do you think that was one of your great, you know, one of the things you did right? Um, yeah, because the thing is, I mean, the, the worst thing that could have happened actually when we, you know, when we launched Perch is that nobody else wanted it. We'd have still had that as an asset for our company. It would have still been useful. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's actually, if, you, if you're going to launch something really as a side project, that's a kind of a nice way to look at it because you're never going to feel yeah. like, oh, I wasted all that time and, and now, you know, this, nobody's interested in this thing. Um, you know, yeah. or, or only a small number of people are, you know, it might, it might not, you might launch something that doesn't take off as a full-time business. I mean, the fact that Perch is now all of our business, um, is, is quite unbelievable really in, in a lot of ways, you know, um, and it was never really what we thought would happen. Um, so just, a, you know, a few people using it and us using it, that would have been enough for us to be continuing to develop it and support it and things. And that would have been fine. Yeah. You know, if, if, if I was sat here talking to you and saying, oh, well, you know, Perch sells a couple of copies a day and we, we maintain it alongside a client business, that would still be a successful thing. And I think, yeah. we, you know, it, it probably wouldn't be to the extent it is now. It wouldn't have, you know, all the functionality it has now because we wouldn't be able to devote as much time to it. But it still could no. be useful. Yeah. I mean, I think that's where that was probably one of the areas we went wrong. Wouldn't you say, Marcus, that it wasn't. 
I mean, we we wanted something like it that we could use. Right? Just for those that don't know, we tried. Uh, we designed um, a, a system that allowed you to share design work with clients. Um, and although it was something useful um, and something that we kind of wanted. I don't think by the time we actually got around to doing it, I think we'd moved away from that kind of thinking and that kind of approach to stuff. Is that a fair mm-hmm. comment, Marcus? I think, well, we, it, it was a thing that we used on projects and people liked it. Um, it, it was a product called Git Sign Up. I don't know if you may remember us talking about it, Rachel. I remember, yes, I remember yeah. it, yeah. Um, it, we just took too long to get it up and running that was the problem with it and i also i was always a little bit skeptical that it was too niche i mean perch is obviously something that isn't too niche because there's hundreds and thousands of people using it but i thought i always felt that it was it was something that only kind of you know mid to large agencies would ever use and i think i was right it, or would it would pay for let's put it that way i think mm. lots of people were, were willing yeah. to to have to use it use the free version that we did of it but i don't think there were i don't think there was enough um, it, you know, there wasn't enough desire out there for that kind of tool, even though it was something that we could use. But the problem is, we're always changing how we want to communicate with clients. Sometimes, you know, some clients um, like regular face-to-face meetings of uh, updates of what we're doing. Others, we do videos for. Um, others, we would want to use a tool like Get Sign Off. So it, it was, yeah, a bit, a bit too niche, maybe. Um, mm. Uh, but also, as, as I, I said right at the start, I don't think our hearts were in it because it was only it only related to kind of a small part of what we did, and there was always client work getting in the way of it, which is which is what I kind of want to ask you about. I mean, there must have been a point when it got quite difficult for you because you would have had clients pressurising you, saying we need this done, when are you going to get this done? You're trying to launch this new product, which is which is you know going great guns, so. How did you deal with that kind of uh, client pressure? I guess when you, when your product is becoming uh, is becoming a success. Yeah, I think the I mean the thing I always say is that you have to make these these side projects kind of a first class citizen. They've got to be as important as the client work. And now it might be that you can only give them, you know, I don't know, half a day a week, for instance, if they're not making much money yet. Hmm. But that should be their time. And then as as obviously the the project starts bringing more money, then you can assign it more time. It can become a bigger client, as it were. And we tried to treat Perch very much as another client, um, according to the amount of money it was bringing in. So that meant that as as Perch became more successful, it warranted more of our time. Um, and we were already working for lots of clients, so it was a case of saying, well, okay, so now Perch can kind of afford to have a day of our time because that's the amount yeah. of money that's coming in. And that's not to say it isn't difficult. And I think the hardest thing was when we got to about 50-50. Yeah. Um, right. And so we had we had a significant number of Perch customers and a significant amount of support and a significant amount of feature requests. Yeah. But we still needed to make 50% of our turnover had to be from client work. Um, so, yeah. And, I mean, yeah. I guess you're saying... You're, were, did you have any horror stories or, or not horror stories, that's a bit strong, but did you have any difficult situations with clients, I guess? Because I think that's what we're, we might have fallen over a bit, that we kind of, you know, big important client has a sudden important job that needs to be done quickly. So kind of that drop everything mentality. Um, and I think we were guilty of doing that. So I guess that's yeah. what we're pushing for. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think how, that's, how that's still happened. Yeah, I mean, absolutely that still happened. And sometimes we'd say, you know, we can't, this week we can't, 
spend you know any more than the bare minimum on perch for you know i mean obviously we had to support it so we'd, we'd always support it and that would that that always happened even if that meant that we worked longer hours than we wanted to um but you know as much as possible in terms of planning certainly you know make it a first class citizen that's really important I mean, yeah there's always going to be i mean but it's the same with multiple clients you know you, you've you've planned to do something and then some big disaster happens and sometimes you've got to say to another client Look, I'm sorry we're a bit late. You know, this this other thing's extended out. Yeah, true. Um, I mean, that happens with client work. It happens unless you only ever work for one client. Um, and even then, you know, some of the team's ill or whatever and, and things do get delayed unavoidably. So I think it, it is just about trying to treat it as much as possible like it's client work, particularly once it's bringing in money. Um, and, you know, when we launched it, we we built it in our spare time, you know, over the weekends and things. Mm. Um, but once it started to take off and once we realised that actually... This wasn't going to be something that really we used and a few other people used. It was actually going to be a standalone product and there was real need for it. Uh, you know, we had to kind of think, well, we've got to fit it into the work that we're doing. Mm. I, I think that's the other, the other good thing that you guys did. You, you talked about, yeah, you built it in evenings and weekends, but you, you also launched quite a minimal viable product, if that oh, yeah, makes absolutely, sense. Yeah. You know? It was it was very stripped down when it was so you you started making money quite early from it, mm-hmm. yeah. it and, and I think that was another mistake that we made is that we made the product too big, got to market, decided decided it wasn't particularly going to take off, and then it kind of dwindled and died. Mm, yeah, I so mean, is that no? Go on. So yeah, well, we've been in that situation before. We actually tried to build a product before Perch. Um, we tried to build oh. a bug tracking system. Now it's it's kind of like a running joke that every uh, web developer wants to build their own bug tracker and their own CMS, and we've managed to do both. Um, <laughs> so we started out we, quite a while before Perch. We decided to build this bug tracker that was essentially based around getting things done methodology, which I'm a huge fan okay. of, um, right. and. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I, I like live by my to-do list. So. And, <laughs> um, but anyway, so we. I'll, I'll just I'll wander here. off. I'm not on this, this call. This anymore. is the point where me and Rachel could really gang up on you, Mark. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, so getting things done, bug track. Which actually, I think the idea behind it was great, but what we did was we spent just far too long. We, you know, I mean, well over a year. We even had we had an intern in who helped us with it. We. Um, kept adding stuff to it, and this thing became an absolute monster. And we never got it to launch because we were never satisfied that it was done, um, partly yeah. because we just, you know, we kept dreaming up new features. Every time we'd talk about it, we'd come up with a whole raft of new features and want to stuff them in. Um, and I think it was that experience um, that made us say, we're not going to do this with, with Perch. Once we realized we were going to ship it as a product, we were like, what is the absolute minimum? What problem can we solve with this that we can solve in a way that people will pay for, but that is, you know, isn't going to take us masses and masses of development time. We can see if people actually do want this. Mm. Um, so, so, I mean, that problem was this issue of you've built a static website, then your client says, oh, I'd like to be able to edit the text on the homepage. And then suddenly you're faced with, you know, putting the whole thing into a WordPress theme or something. Mm. And that takes a bunch of time. And what we wanted, because this is, you know, this is what people had come to us with, you know, what we wanted was just to be able to drop some tags on the page and, and say, well, there you go, now you can edit it. And it'd be very simple. Yeah. Um, I, from a client point of view as well, you know, they don't have to wade through a whole load of stuff and understand that, you know, this post will then appear on the homepage and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, so that was the problem. And it, 
that was quite a small problem to solve. I mean, obviously, there's there's a bit of UI there, and there's you know the admin interface and and things, but it's a relatively small thing to solve. And I think that's the things to go for is yeah. find find a problem that is small enough that you can solve it fairly quickly and in a complete way, um, and then sell that solution, and then yeah. see where it goes from there. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's a couple of interesting things that come out of that mine. One is you did this before and you still decided to do it again. <laughs> now, as somebody that... Different that, thing, though. That, yeah, 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 I know. But, I mean, think of it from our point of view, Marcus, right? Uh, we would be quite hesitant, wouldn't we, to, to run into another pro- uh, product? It would depend on the idea. It It, it really is... Well, yes is the short answer to that question, Paul. But, um, but I think it, it would depend entirely on the idea. If, if 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 we came up with an idea, we thought, well, yeah, that really is something that we think would could fly. Then I think we would be willing to invest in it. Um, we haven't had that idea yet, I guess. Yeah, but I think so. For us with Perch, it wasn't. It, it really wasn't. Oh, we desperately want to have a product. Mm-hmm. It was. You know, I, I was because. What was happening was we had a, we built this sort of big CMS framework that um, Drew tended to add new features to, and I would do a lot of the implementation for clients, so I'd actually build out the sites. Right. Um, and so then I was getting these clients who were design agencies typically coming and saying, oh, we've got, you know, we've got this little site, I just need to put a CMS on, it doesn't need your big framework, what would you suggest? And so I was saying to Drew, you know, we, we just need something that can just drop in. You know, a bit mm. like um, Cushy CMS existed at the time, but that was hosted. And, you know, obviously people didn't really want to use a third party. Mm. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it really was just, oh, well, let's build this. And it was once we started just specking it out and saying, well, what does it need to have? It just felt like a product. Yeah. Um, and so it was, it was really a case of, well, well, yes, we could open source it, but then, well, when would we have time to work on it? Because, you know, we, we already had things we were doing as a volunteer and open source stuff yeah. and things. Were, um, so that was really, we thought, well, let's put it out. Let's, let's see if people will pay for it. Because if they will, then we can carry on working on it, you know. And Which is very cool. It's, it's the only thing you do, is that right? It's, it's essentially all we do as, as a company other than, I mean, I do bits of, obviously I still write, uh, I, I speak and things like that and do a little bit of sort of consultancy and workshop stuff if people ask um but not i don't really push that um so yeah it really is what we do as a, as a company is, is there i don't know there's no uh, kind of easy way to ask this other than are you a bit bored with it now oh no no because um, <laughs> what keeps you interested yeah yeah because it's 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 brilliant having your own thing i mean i think one of the things that happened to us a lot as a service business is that we would build stuff for design agencies and we had very little contact with the end customer. We had very little contact with the person who really used our stuff. Uh. So we'd solve people's problems and we'd build stuff that we thought was really good, but we never got to see the the difference it made in people's businesses. Um, and with Perch, we get to see that all the time. Um, yeah. So, you know, you know, we have people who've never been able to offer like a CMS to clients, they've never done that before because they've just found it too difficult or, you know, they're not a developer and yeah. and, and they, they want to know they've got support. So, you know, people say, oh, you can use WordPress, but it's actually quite difficult if you need your hand-holding a bit as you get started. Mm. You know, yeah. where do you get that support from? You know, we, we help people. You know, that we, that's what we do, you know. So but, I, I mean, there's a, there's a flip side to that, which is that you help people. 
<laughs> and that means you have a lot of support. We do have and, a lot of support. And I've seen some less than happy tweets from you occasionally about your support. Do you do you miss the days when you only had a small number of clients to keep happy? Um, no, I mean, most of the time, most of our customers are lovely. We actually only ever hear from, well, we hear from about 25% of, of purchasers. Um, okay. We, we typically don't hear from the people who've got hundreds of licenses. Um, you know, so yeah. so we we hear from a small number. We actually, we sort of figured out there's about 10% of people who've ever posted more than once for support. Okay. Uh, so... Although, we, you know, yes, we get a lot of support, we find that actually the support we get is from a very small number of our customers and it tends to be, you know, it, some of it's people who just like doing interesting things and they're running into problems because they're doing something a bit interesting and, and that's fun. Um, a lot of it is just the people who don't read anything. Um, and so, you know, they have, to, they have to ask a question to be pointed out where it is. You know, I, there's nothing you can do with those people. You know, I mean, there, there, are, there are a group of people who need kind of showing through stuff. I mean, doing things like the videos we've done help a lot. There are a lot of people who find it easier to, you know, watch a video. I mean, I mm-hmm. can't imagine anything worse for learning how to develop something is watching sitting through videos, but they're really popular. People love them. Um, there's a See, lot that's you funny because I, I like that as approach. I would be someone that would sit down and watch right, yeah. videos. I think that's, yeah, and that cut down our support a lot because, you know, I, I'm, I'm not very visual at all. I mean, I, I really struggle to learn software. I can learn right. a programming language in no time at all. Um, I, I'm absolutely terrible at learning software. I, I still use Git at the command line because I, I just can't use any of the software. It's, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just can't. I've tried. I've, I've tried everything to learn it, you know, and it's just like I get myself in a mess if I try and use it. it uh, any of the GUI software, it just doesn't work. I use, I use the command line. Um, it's, it's, yeah, so I think it is just depends on how people are. You know, I mean, like Drew was yeah. creating a mind map to write an article the other day, and I was just like, what? Why on earth would that be helpful? I'm just not visual <laughs> at all. Right? <laughs> I, I just like, I just have like words, that's it, you know. Um, so yeah, it, it is about learning the different ways that people uh, learn and supporting that, and that can help a lot with support. Uh, mm. and, and you get better at that as time goes on um and and realizing that you know you think your docs are great but then that you know they're not so helpful to another person or whatever so uh, one of the things that interests me was uh, so you created this minimal viable product right great you know and and your attitude is um if it doesn't take off then you know nothing lost because you know we we um you know we can still use it ourselves but there are some overheads to launching a product in terms of you know you had to create a a website that supported that product okay not that big a deal but i'm imagining you needed to get some help with branding and 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 design because you guys aren't designers and then there's the kind of marketing side could you talk us a little bit through that kind of launch process of of you know did you spend money how did you you know how did you go about doing that initial launch yeah, so the money we spent is, there was a bit of money, in fact, the, there was quite a bit of money on legal stuff, just having a license agreement, that sort of thing, so we knew nothing about software licensing, so we did pay for that. Mm-hmm. We paid for UI design for the product, um, that was uh, Nathan Pittman from Mind4, who still helps us out with um, sort of UI stuff, uh, so that, because we knew that it needed to look good, we were going to target this at design agencies, so it had to look yeah. good, and not sort of designed by programmer. Um we did the design for the landing page initially, sort of cobbled it together with stock clip art and things. You know, it was yeah. like, 
because we were less worried about that than we were about the actual product itself. Um, and, yeah. that, and to be honest, that still tends to be how things how things are. Um, what else do you spend money on? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, bits and bobs. Obviously, we had to get the site up and things, but we just did that. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, it was it was minimal, but there was I don't know, probably a couple of grand, sort of two and a half grand okay. fixed cost to to get it out there. Um, and that, actually, we made that money back within the first twenty four hours. Oh wow! Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you want to hear. Yeah, so, that was that I mean, was a surprise. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean the other thing I had to I have to be honest, and I think I've said this to you before, when I heard what you were doing and what the product you were launching, I thought you were absolutely crazy. Mm-hmm. Because you know, like you said, every developer on the in on the planet wants to build their own content management system. And the idea of putting another content management system into the marketplace in a really competitive marketplace with loads of other big players that are spending a lot of money, I just didn't get. So what, from a kind of getting the word out there point of view and explaining what you were doing and why you were doing it, how did that work? Because I remember seeing you at a com- conferences quite early on. Yeah, we did um, a little bit of that. We went to um, deconstruct some things. Um, although that, that isn't really something that, I mean, it did work in that we, Actually, it mainly worked in that we got to speak to people and we got to show them things and get their initial feedback and what they what their perceptions were, which was interesting. Probably right. more so than it making sales of the product. Okay. Um, I mean, a lot of it came via our sort of personal networks. Um, I mean, one of the sort of big things was that you know, Perch would never mess around with your markup. So, right. And that was from from the start. You know, it, it's template based, and that was something that we'd done with our big CMS framework. So, you know, you could use, I mean, at the time, people were still using XHTML. Some people were wanting to start using HTML5. Um, And the fact that you could do that with Perch, because it was completely template-based, and it gave you control of of your markup. It let you use, you know, any kind of plugin, you know, jQuery plugin or whatever to do things. Um, And that's that's always been a sort of big part of Perch, is is this not messing with your markup. Mm. So we kind of were able to leverage our sort of people knew about both Drew and I from like the Web Standards Project and yeah. my writing about CSS and things. And so uh, we used that a lot in the early days. So people, I think, trusted that when we said, this isn't going to mess with your markup, you, you know, you're going to create valid sites using Perch. You're not going to get loads of stuff stuck in. Mm. Um, I think people trusted that and they were quite keen on that idea because a lot of, the, a lot of our competitors and still you know, make it quite difficult to, yeah. to do that. Yeah, they do. Um, so that and that's something that's you know, it's yeah, things like now. You know, we've got you know, people can use all the new sort of um, responsive the, the picture element for images and things like that. You know, that's trivial with Perch because because of our template based way of working. Mm. Um, very very difficult to do in a lot of other solutions. Um, mm. So that that was really where we went with it was was to sort of play on the things that people knew us for. Yeah, I so, say you know we're we're not marketers. I mean, I you know still that that's the hardest part of my job is trying to get the word out about Perch. Yeah. To, to so what, how has that else. evolved then? Well, I mean, because obviously you know uh, if you're you're selling somewhere between three and twenty licenses per day or whatever it is, then you know it's moved much beyond your network yes. now. Yeah. Um. So so how are you bringing in new customers now? 
Um, fairly minimal advertising, really, still. And um, we try to be quite targeted with that uh, because, you know, we just don't have the money to spend that the bigger companies have. So, yeah. um, you know, we'll look at placing ads on specific sites that we think will um, have have readers that are well matched with what we're doing and will understand, you know, things like um, the structured content idea and, and so on. Um, so, like, you know, we have an ad we run on HTML5 Doctor. Yeah. Um, so you can often do really well for not much money by being very selective on the sites that you pick to advertise on and like yeah. advertising on podcasts and things like that and just finding places where you think, yes, you know, you look at the site, read the articles that are on there and think, yeah, you know, there's a lot of stuff here that would appeal to the sort of people who would also find find the product useful mm. rather than just doing, you know, these massive ad campaigns that someone like MailChimp, you know, they're just like, well, this... MailChimp is for anybody, anyone who has a website, and therefore they're they're going really, really broad, so that they're everywhere. And so when you think I need to send an email, you know I need to send an email newsletter, you just think MailChimp, mm. and that's kind of one way of doing it. And you can only do that if you've got the money. So that's kind of what your funded startups do. You know they've got a bunch of money they can throw into advertising. Uh, people like us can't do that. We are, you mm. know, so you have to be really targeted, and say, well, you know, which sites have a good amount of traffic. It doesn't have to be a huge amount of traffic, you know, because we're, we're quite small. Um, but, you know, who's likely to send stuff through that that is going to look at Perch and say, oh, yeah, that, that's what I need. Yeah. Um, so I think it's that. It's being quite targeted. And then and you can do that then, you know, if you've got, if you've had, had a good month or whatever and you've got the money, you can put some of that into advertising and buy some ads for a month. I mean, buy-sell ads is great. I, I go through there and I sort of investigate the different sites. And you can get, you know, ads for not very much. Yeah, uh, and so that's that's kind of the way I tend to approach the sort of advertising side of things is is by being very selective. Cool. I, it's it's really interesting to hear because you've had to effectively learn quite a new set of skills to make this mm. work. You yeah. know, to move from from client based design to product based. Have you ever thought about bringing other people on board to do this or, or even to kind of, cause at the moment it's very much a, a kind of lifestyle product for, from, from the mm. point of view that, you know, you're not intending to take over the world or anything. Have you thought about expanding of getting, you know, venture capital in or, or anything like that? Not intending to get venture capital in. No. Um, I think I mean, we are going to have to, get other people involved I mean, at the moment it's it's drew myself and then you know contractors we, we use people for design particularly um and and for bits of development you know we've, we've had recently had the forums um rebuilt and things um okay. so we're, we're trying to we try and put out things that aren't the core product as much yeah. as possible um which makes sense yeah. i mean i think my my role is very much moving to being to, to running the business. I mean, I, I always did that kind of stuff, but there's an awful lot more of it with a product, and especially with an international product. I yeah. mean, we're, we're 50% export sales, and that leaves us in quite a difficult situation in terms of just complying with things like, you know, international VAT law, which is all yeah. changing. And oh, yes. um, yeah. you'll have seen me ranting about that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but it's that sort of stuff that you run into as a small digital business because you are, you know, on paper an exporter. But yeah. you're not, you know, you're not selling like steel machinery to China. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, but but you actually run into the same problems. And so a lot of my time is burned up by just like reading really boring documentation and trying to figure out whether it applies to us or not. 
Um, and that's always going to be the case because that stuff, as you know, you know, it's it as a business owner, it's your responsibility to yeah. understand it. And even if you, even when you've got, you know, we've got an accountant, we've got legal advice, but even so, it still lands on my head to make sure that we're doing the right thing. Yeah. Um, and so we're kind of moving to a model where that's really what I'm doing a lot of. Um, Drew, you know, remains the sort of lead developer on on Perch, the product itself. Um, he'd rather not have to deal with that. Um, <laughs> and and I think, you know, we're, we're going to need to, I mean, it would be lovely to have another developer um, so that as I move out of that, really, Drew's got someone to bounce ideas off and things, yeah. you know, because of the why, because while I don't, you know, I just don't have the time to be doing a huge amount of actual PHP development at this point. Um, you know, I, Do you miss that? I was going to say, yeah, that's sort of... You've got the you you've got you've kind of reached this nirvana that the agencies like ourselves like like us think oh wouldn't it be great to have a product and eventually we can you know we we can have this you know endless forecasting and we know what's coming in every month but then which is wonderful which is what you've reached but then you're kind of you're not doing the job that you loved in the first place. Um, the thing that I've 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 always loved kind of solving these problems. I think had I'd I never got into running my own business um i would uh, you know i was looking at you know going for a sort of cto type role that would have been where i'd have seen myself okay right um i'm you know i'm someone who is very very interested in technology and possibilities and i'm a very good problem solver um and and i can work right across the stack you know i mean i, I do all of our operation stuff so all of our servers all that sort of stuff i was i was off at um puppet camp talking about um configuration management the other day um so you know i i've got a very very broad knowledge of a lot of stuff and that's really what i kind of enjoy i enjoy working at how we're going to solve problems mm. possibly more than actually writing the code to do it and yeah. i you know i don't ever want to get into a position where i have somebody else in that role um because i think that's something that i'm if I had to pick a skill I have, it's that. It's that ability to, you know, pull together all these different things and, and work out a technical direction for us. Um, it's really in, it's interesting what you say, mine, about the, 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 the one area that you're talking about hiring potentially as a developer. Because the most obvious one, I guess, would be to get someone to help with the support. Is that... Yeah. I think that, that too. And I think that's a slightly different right. thing. I think we're probably... Where we could do with help with support is actually to cover time zones. Um, I could do with someone probably on the west coast of the states because they'd be able to cover that time zone plus um, sort of Australia would be better covered yeah. by someone there. Um, I think that that's a slightly different thing. That's probably the sort of thing where we could find a few people who do a few hours a week. Um, yeah. And that's much more about kind of putting in place systems so that we can have people who do that and you know, they can, even if it's just frontline support, even if it's just because someone in Australia posts something which is at midnight hour time, if someone can then say to them, oh, we need to see your diagnosis report or can you post your template, then at least when we wake up, we can answer their question. Yeah. Rather than it becoming this whole another day because we say, can we see a diagnostics report? And then at midnight the next day, they answer that and, you know, and so it goes round. So I think the support thing would be um, best covered by probably you know, finding people in those different time zones, probably, you know, on a sort of contract basis. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, maybe people who 
a few hours a week of work is is good for you know students or or what have you um who yeah. you know got got a bit of technical knowledge because it does they do need to be technical you know it's people implementing stuff on their sites a lot of the problem is actually to do with their hosting and things like that rather than anything yeah. to do with us so you need people who've got a decent level of, of technical competence um to help them but yeah i mean that's that's kind of a, a an issue that yes we'd like to address is, is to get get some other people in doing the support because I'm guessing, you know, when we're recording this, we're just coming up to Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you guys ever get a break? Um, no, we've answered support queries on Christmas Day. Um, <laughs> because, we, you know, we are international. Um, yeah. So, like, this this last week, obviously, you know, America's been a bit quiet because they've had Thanksgiving. Um, yet over over the Christmas period, America, obviously Christmas Day, they might not be online, but they don't have the holiday we have at that time of year. Right. So... They, it kind of seems like they kick off a bit earlier. You know, we sort of wait till after New Year, and then it gets busy in January. Um, whereas in America, it seems to start ramping up before the New Year. You know, you start seeing people are obviously getting back to work. They're starting to think about, you know, the next year's projects and so on a bit earlier than we are. Right. Um, so you start to see these. You start to see these things. You start to see, you know, as you as you reach out into other countries, you see that well, yeah, they're they're different to us in terms of how, when they're off and, and things like that. And it's quite interesting. Well, I always get work over Christmas because um, um, people do go on holiday, but they decide to send out um, requests for proposals that they would like on their desk the, when they come back in the yeah. January. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so even though I'm supposedly got a week off, usually I'm usually writing the odd proposal. Oh, well, that, oh that's that moaned yeah. and whined. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but the thing is that you know that happened when we were you know doing client work yeah. as well because it was just Drew and myself. So if the, if a client had a screaming emergency um, on Christmas Eve, well, you know we were dealing with it. So in in some ways, customers are a bit easier to kind of put off because it is just one person. If someone's been incredibly unreasonable, that's one customer who maybe has yeah. a single fifty quid license of perch. Now we don't want people to be unhappy, but if someone's been completely unreasonable on Christmas Day then I'm not too worried about saying, look, you're being unreasonable. It's Christmas yeah. Day. Yeah. I'll deal with this tomorrow. Um, whereas, you know, with a, a customer who maybe is bringing in 20 grand of business into your agency, it's very, very hard to to turn around and tell them, you know, no, I'm not going to help you today. Exactly, yeah. That's a really um, good point, actually. So I think yeah. that there's a different pressure. There is the pressure of lots and lots of people constantly coming to you with their problems rather than one or two. But the sort of... If someone is being totally outlandishly unreasonable, then you can, without too much damage to your business, say, "Look, I'm sorry, we can't help you with that." Yeah, mm. spreading the spread, spreading the um, happiness or unhappiness. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's it. I mean, it's, it's rare we're in that situation, but you know, there is that, and you know, I think that's that's something to to stress. It's not like having you know thousands of clients. No, and and uh, and to be honest, I think that is the biggest appeal of a a product based business is you, you're spreading the risk, mm. you, you, you know, because you're talking about a lot of per- small purchases. Mm-hmm. It, it becomes a different model than than having a small number of very important clients. Mm. You know, yeah. I mean, we've over the twelve years we've been doing it in Headscape, there have been. You know, a few occasions where a major client has gone, and yeah. you think, "Are we still going to be in business?" You know, it's, and yeah. you don't have that problem. I'm guessing with product based. No, work. I mean, it, 
you know, you can you start to see, oh, people aren't buying our product as much, maybe, or you know, maybe there's a problem you need to address. But that happens far more slowly because mm. there are like there's an awful lot of people who use only really the very basic functionality of Perch, mm. um, and they're very happy with that. And I mean, this is partly why we sort of branched out into a second product um, to not make Perch itself too complex for the people who really do want very little more than what we launched with on that first day. Yeah, and there's an awful lot of them, um, you know. So, for those people, they're not really interested in what we change. In fact, we we did this survey and we asked people, you know, what they wanted, what features they needed, and a huge amount of people got back and said, "Don't change it," you know, "Don't <laughs> don't, don't make it don't make it more complex." Don't you know? They were really worried that we would, you know, be sort of taking it away from what was useful to them and their business. And, and many of those people were these people who've got lots and lots of licenses. Yeah, uh, which was really the driver between you know for launching perch runway which takes a more technical approach to this stuff um because we didn't want to you know destroy that core use case of perch which so many people just find really useful good well this has been a hugely interesting conversation because because it was an area where we felt or certainly I felt we missed an opportunity or that not that we missed an opportunity. It, it was one of my bigger failures <laughs> in my career. Um, so it's, it's always fascinating to, to see someone who essentially went down a very similar road and, and, and has made it work. And yeah, I've, I've wanted to sit down and have a chat with you for a long time about this. So is, this is going to be a great season. It's basically me, <laughs> me picking the minds of all these people that are doing cool things. So no, really appreciate you coming on the, the show, Rachel. And um, yeah, best of luck with Perch and um, Perch Runway. Where can people check out this stuff? Well, so Perch is at grabaperch.com. Um, and so yes, you can find out about about Perch and Perch Runway there. Um, if people just want to find out what I'm doing, I write quite a lot about this sort of businessy stuff that I'm doing. Although it's mainly about VAT at the moment, but <laughs> I, and, uh, but I, I write quite a lot about this sort of stuff on my own site, which is rachelandrew.co.uk, and I am at rachelandrew on Twitter, and I'm always happy to chat about businessy stuff. Um, I have a sort of mailing list I send out to weekly, where I sort of collect the things I'm reading and send them out um, oh, on sort of. Yeah, that sort of business and sort of yeah, sort of bootstrap startup type stuff. I do a weekly email, um, oh. which you can find at rachelandrew.co.uk/list. Um, and yeah, that's that's quite fun. Um, I I read a load of stuff, and I just sort of you know the things I think are useful. I, I stick into that each week and send it out to people. I like people like you because you do all my curating for. Yes, yeah, that's it. I'm just I'm just content curating, but that's quite fun. And you know, and and, and people often email me with this sort of problems they're having in you know launching products and things and we have a chat it's 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 a nice way to to get to know all the people who are doing this sort of stuff yeah okay well thank you very much for joining us and um yeah good luck with with perch it was a pleasure to talk to you bye Thanks, rachel <laughs> thank you so what i love so much about that interview is how honest rachel is in it She's, you know, it's not because so often there's this kind of oh yeah, people lie, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we got fed up with client work and like we we built product and and now we're sitting on big piles of money. Who, who's that then? Uh, Thirty seven <laughs> signals, maybe. <laughs> Is that how they talk? Yeah, I'm sure that's how they talk in my head. I've yeah. never actually, actually, that's not true. I have heard them talk, and they talk in in. Americanese sort of Chicago accent. I don't know actually. I don't know yeah. where they're from. I think they are. I should know. No, they're lovely as well. I'm not slandering them either. 
I'm in a bitchy mood today, aren't I? You are a bit. But anyway, <laughs> Rachel, she did a she she was really honest and gave you know a very balanced view of of launching a product, and I thought it was a brilliant interview. So that's that's Rachel. Mm-hmm. Um. I, yes, you know, you know, I haven't listened to your music. Yeah. Well, you haven't listened to my pre-roll. No. And in the pre-roll I did, I said the transcription of this week's show has been kindly paid for by the team at Template Monster. Oh. That's new. That is new. Good for them. Do you know why? Because you asked them? No, well, yes. <laughs> but because I've, I've realised how friggin' expensive our transcription is. No, that's great. Well done, Paul. And well done them. I know. I was really impressed at them, actually. They instantly said yes when I asked them. They were the first to step up. We've got um, three... We're going to have three sponsors across the season that are going to pay for the transcription. Because the transcription is one of those things that um, is massively important. I, you know, because I'm a great believer in... in um, uh, you know, obviously, the the, the uh, podcast being as accessible to as many people as possible, um, and so it's a really important thing to do. But to transcribe one of our seasons costs over a thousand pounds. That seems like a bargain to me. The what, we waffle, but uh, yes. Uh, to be fair, <laughs> yes, it is a bargain. And the guys at Pod uh, Pod dot com, I'll put a link in the show notes. Do a really good job, and I'm really pleased with what they do. So I'm not in any way quibbling over the price, but it is a lot to pay when you don't make any money out of the podcast. Exactly. Yeah, we don't. We we do this for the love. Well, that and a bit of marketing. <laughs> but I'm not convinced it actually does us any good from a marketing point of view anymore. <laughs> it puts people off. I think so. <laughs> Truth be told. So, um, so yeah, we decided to get some sponsorship. And, yeah, Template Monster were the first to go for it, which is great. I mean, it's really interesting. This gets kind of onto a little subject we've been talking about, Marcus, off, offline, which mm. is this kind of commoditization of design. And the fact that um, I wrote about this in a Creative Block um, article, which, again, I'll put a link in the show notes to that, about this idea that, you know, it's hard for some of these templates these days are so good. Mm. You know, they're fully responsive. You know, they um, some of them come, you know, some of, if you look around Template Monster, some of them are, are designed to um, integrate directly into WordPress, their WordPress templates or e-commerce templates or whatever else. And it's hard to justify a fully bespoke design with smaller clients, um, you know, mm. and because you can take these templates and obviously customize them. So it's an interesting way the market is going. And yes, there's sure there's still there's definitely still room for bespoke design. But, you know, with some clients, I think we, you know, we maybe sell them bespoke design when they don't really need it. Yeah, it's a it's a funny one. I think at the moment, I mean, I, this this very morning, Paul, I responded to an inquiry, basically giving them a couple of options, saying this is the kind of we can go down the templated route um, for X, or we can do your bespoke design for Y, uh, and that seems to be where we're going these days for, yeah. for the kind of smaller type things. This is a gallery in London, and that was a, a perfect example. I do think though that this is a bit of a circular thing that I think. There'll be maybe in a, in a year or two's time, we'll we'll see more bespoke design coming back because yeah. there'll be examples of people who've chosen templated options that don't really deliver. So I think I think it's a bit of to and fro at the moment. We're in the kind of we're we're, we're at the point at the moment where people are testing out templated designs more than 
bespoke, but I think it might swing back the other way. What I quite like about this as well is, you know, it, it doesn't need to be an either-or decision. You know, you can mm. start with a, a, a templated design from something like Template Monster, and then you can kind of customise that design to some degree, and then <coughs> as the client is beginning to see returns generated from the website, then it can become more bespoke, and, and you can kind of build on that. Yeah. So I quite like these kind of template um, approaches as a starting point you know they're not the book be all and end all but they're certainly very very interesting I was gobsmacked at the number of templates <laughs> the template monster have I've never seen so many anyway we've talked about this for too long um, because we'll be mentioning them over the next couple of um, episodes or few episodes cool. so check them out at templatemonster.com I really appreciate that sorry for the advertising but it's not normal advertising it's like they're supporting the accessibility of this podcast. Yeah. Hoorah for them. Exactly. Right. Who's on next? Nobody. Next it's week. the end of the show. Oh, next week. You want to know what's on next week? Oh, see, now you've caught me off guard. <laughs> I wasn't ready for that question. Dropbox, uh, archive, podcast, season 11, uh, episode 2. Ooh, it's a good one next week. Christina Halverson. Oh, right. I, uh, the one I missed that yeah. I really didn't want to, but I had to do something else. I can't remember what. It was something important. I'm was sure present- everything you do is important. Of course it is. No, but this was a presentation to a client, so it's kind of like, oh, yeah. Okay, well, that does count. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, so Christina's going to come on and talk about content strategy, which mm-hmm. is such a good interview. So that's going to be really good next week. We've got so many good interviews. In fact, you can check out the different interviews that are coming up, who we're interviewing and what we're talking about. Um, by going to boagworld.com forward slash season forward slash 11. And I've kind of listed them all there. So that means you can know what's coming in the season and you can pick and choose which episodes you want to listen to. So you don't want to listen to some people, just skip them. (laughs) Be harsh, I say. We've all got too much much information. You don't need to tell them, they just are. Yes. Right. Joke. Joke. We could get a sponsor for the joke. (laughs) you might find that a little harder no i reckon we can do it i'm gonna find a sponsor for the joke well this is a joke from the wonderful tim vine but obviously a a one-liner as they always are yeah one-armed butlers they can take it but they can't dish it out (laughs) that's actually quite clever exactly what's the tim vine joke yeah no i like start the year with a good one that's a good one (laughs) See, if you carry on at that standard, we will get a sponsor. <laughs> what I, are the chances? I'm going to go for it. I, I've got an idea as well of how I might be able to swing it. Okay. So let's see if we can, we can manage that. This week's joke sponsored by Marks and Spencer. Yeah. Or Shell Oil. <laughs> we, I think we still want to start finding completely inappropriate sponsors for the joke. You know, something like so-and-so funeral home <laughs> yeah so there yes. we go alright so that was a good show it feels really weird doesn't it because we pre-recorded the interviews it feels mm. like we've been talking for like five minutes we have managed nearly 20 though well done us <laughs> <laughs> ok let's shut up then and let people get on with their days we'll talk to you again next week bye bye bye
Oh, my God.